News, politics, and special guests with a Texas twist. That's the goal of the Luke Macias Show. Our nation and state are at a crossroads, and if you're not informed, you're not equipped to make the change that our community needs. Join the conversation and join the cause for liberty today. Fear. My pastor tells me that fear stands for false evidence appearing real, and fear has driven our governor, Greg Abbott, to really disrespect the individual liberty of Texans. And don't take my word for it. That's not my claim. That's Governor Abbott's own claim. He was asked about mandating masks. Let's back up. For those of you who don't know, I hope all of you know, you probably got texted your Amber Alert. But if you're a Texan and you don't know, Governor Abbott, just before the July 4th weekend, decided to mandate masks. And in his statewide mask mandate, unilateral mask mandate made with no legislative input, Governor Abbott decided um, to say that if you wear a, if you do not wear a mask in a public place, in a place of business, if you get in a car with your brother or sister or cousin or niece or nephew and you don't have a mask on, anybody outside of your immediate family, you can be fined $250. If you don't pay that fine, you'll go to jail. So why is this an invasion on individual liberty? Well, to know why, we should ask Governor Greg Abbott on June 17th because two weeks ago, he was asked, why they were not mandating masks. And he said, we want to make sure individual liberty is not infringed upon by government, and hence, government cannot require individuals to wear masks. That's not Luke Macias. That's not, you know, some other random conservative person telling you that. That's our governor. The governor of the state of Texas has said, this is why we're not mandating masks. Now, that was an interesting statement he made because when he said that, it was in response to the fact that cities had come out and decided to start penalizing businesses, which Governor Abbott had actually intentionally designed his executive order to allow them to do that. And then he said, well, I'm protecting individual liberty, which is also a weird way of protecting individual liberty. This probably gets into a conversation of just what is the right way to protect somebody's individual liberty? And it's really not even that. It's really... What is, is there a reason that our nation has to respect individual responsibility and even promote that in any basic way? Or are we literally a society that believes that a couple people at the top decide how everybody else should live and then just mandate the crud out of that across your state? So Governor Abbott said, I want to protect individual liberty, but I want every business that dares do commerce with anybody not wearing a mask to be fined but I'm protecting individual liberty. That was on June 17th. That was also an inaccurate statement, but at least he was trying to say he was protecting individual liberty, even though he was not. See, at the time, his position was, I'm going to protect your rights to make your own decisions on how you live your life. But if any business in Texas dares let you enter their restaurant, retail shop, whatever, I'm going to come in and punish the crud out of them. That doesn't sound like protecting your individual liberty, right? Isn't that weird? Think of that, you know, we have this big race discussion going on, right? So I've got Hispanic, Latino heritage, right? So what if somebody said, uh, you're allowed to be Hispanic, 
cool. But if anybody dares sell you something, we're going to punish them. Doesn't really sound like I have the right, right? Doesn't really sound like my rights are being protected. So that was the June 17th version of Greg Abbott. But the June 17th version of Greg Abbott said, I can't mandate these things. It'd be an invasion of individual liberty. And then on July 3rd, he said, actually, here's the deal. Or July 2nd, I'm going to mandate masks. It's done. In his rollout, he said something else that I thought was just so interesting. And, and I really think, here, here's, I think, the difficulty with conservatives in Texas. Our governor is a smart person. And we know he's intelligent. We also know that he understands the definitions of words. Okay? So this guy, I mean, he, he was the attorney general, okay, of the state of Texas. So the, he knows what words mean. He knows, uh, you know, he really understands the basic of law and everything else. So when he's rolling out his executive order, he says, here's the deal. You got to wear a mask. And this is not meant, what he says is, this is not meant to be punitive. Intended to be punitive was actually the way he said it, um, which is interesting. So he starts out by saying, this is on July 2nd. He says, this requirement is not intended to be punitive. Now, the question is, what's the word intended mean? And what does the word punitive mean? Punitive means we're going to punish you if you don't respond to this requirement. If you disobey, you will be punished. And what does the word intend mean? Well, it's, you know, the intent of the law. We're passing this executive order with this intent of doing what? of ensuring that these people do exactly as we say. What if they don't do what you say? We intend to punish them. If it doesn't have punitive intent, then there shouldn't be a punishment. That doesn't even make sense, but that's okay. This requirement is not intended to be punitive. Okay, well, what happens when you don't listen to it? Um, we fine you $250. Okay, great. Then he says, not a single Texan will be put in jail for not wearing a mask. Interesting, very carefully crafted words. One would almost say you're trying to say one thing while well, maybe something else is a reality. So the reality is that I'm not going to be able to put you in jail because you didn't wear your mask. But if I fine you $250, you better dang well pay that $250. And if you do not, I'm going to throw you in jail. Well, that sounds like somebody's going to go into jail for not wearing a flipping mask. It's pretty incredible. This is the reason that conservative Republicans are quite frustrated with our governor. And it's not just that. It's also the fact that the decisions are not based on any data that seems to be like accepting the realities of where we live. In New York, if a million people get sick, 1,600 people die. Absolutely horrible. In Texas, if a million people get sick, 84 people die, 90 people die, something in that range. Absolutely tragic for those 90 people. More than half of those 90 people are in nursing homes or they start in a nursing home and then they go to a hospital and they die in the hospital. Okay, so you cut that number in half. Now you say, okay, what about the rest of the people? Well, a lot of them are still over 65. So if you're one of the 25-year-olds who's going and tubing on the Comal River, which is now an organized criminal activity according to our governor, you are somehow at very high risk, but you're not 
You're just not. The numbers don't prove that out in any form or fashion. So to back this up, why and how is the governor doing this? So our governor, a lot of Texans don't know this, but the governor of Texas is one of the weakest governors in the nation, meaning he has one of the he has one of the most constrained powers as far as an executive goes compared to most governors. Most governors have a lot more power than our governor has. But there's one little exception to that, and that's the emergency powers that he has in times of emergency. So what the governor can do, and, and just to back up, we only pass laws in Texas for five months every 24, meaning the legislative branch is only in session for five months, and then there's 19 months of no legislature. And that is a good thing as long as we don't have executive overreach and unilateral laws being passed with the stroke of a pen. So for those 19 months, no laws get passed unless there's an emergency. And then the governor says, hey, I'm going to declare a state of emergency. And when he does that, he now has the ability to pass an executive order that holds the weight of law. Now, he has that for 30 days. 30 days was kind of intended to be the time frame at which you'd need to address an emergency, right? Hurricane Harvey hits Texas and you go, hey, I've got to step in and handle this emergency, right? You deal with it. You pass some different orders. You can handle the egress, ingress and egress of the people, which is how he handles the transportation of people. Hey, you must evacuate this area. It's a time of emergency. That's a governor power in the time of declared emergency. He can move people around. Now, he has so perverted that allowance, the way he has shut salons down or bars down or breweries down. He shut breweries down with a three-hour notice. What he does is he says, well, we are in a time of emergency with coronavirus. And so I am going to pass an executive order that doesn't close breweries but it says that no Texan can enter a brewery. But I'm not going to find the Texan who's actually disobeying the order. I'm going to find the brewery who's just being open. And that's why a lot of these counties have said, I don't even understand what the governor's saying. The other problem with Governor Abbott is that he's gonna, he runs out of his 30 days. So what he is doing is he continues to redeclare the state of emergency so that he basically, for as long as he wants, can just pass whatever laws he wants and mandate whatever activity he wants with no check from the legislature. We have a balance of powers in Texas, right? And the United States. We have a legislative branch, an executive branch, a judicial branch. These three different branches that balance each other out. And what Abbott has right now is that he has virtually unchecked power to do whatever the heck he wants. And he's not talking to legislators. You have Republicans and Democrats both saying, I can't get a hold of the governor. I can't even talk to his staff. I've submitted questions that I want answers to about coronavirus. These are duly elected representatives of the state of Texas that can't even get answers to their questions. They can't even get meetings with the governor. It is a major problem. Texans are pushing back. That's a good thing. Some legislators, Bob Hall, Kyle Biederman, Tony Tinderholt, Steve Toth, Jonathan Sticklin, Mike Lang, Bill Zedler, James White, 
Cecil Bell. Now Charles Perry has come out. Your most conservative legislators came out early. They're what we call the tip of the spear. They're the ones that will lead even before everybody wakes up to what needs to happen. But if you really do abuse your power, even more and more and more people will start to come out. And that's how you've seen people like Representative Cole Hefner. Even Briscoe Kane has been much more vocal in the last couple of days. He's even said that if anybody is being ticketed, he wants to know he'll represent them for free. That's a sitting state representative offering to represent for free somebody who is punished by the governor. Charles Perry came out and finally said, wait a second, you can't just pass these laws willy-nilly. You have got to actually establish a special session if you want to pass laws. And if you don't want to pass any laws, then stop telling everybody what to do. But do it one way or the other. The governor could call a special session and pass laws that conservative legislators didn't agree with, but it would be done in the appropriate manner. But he doesn't want that because there is no reason to have yourself held accountable by the elected officials in your state if you can just write a law and go. It's amazing because Greg Abbott came to prominence for suing Barack Obama countless times for executive overreach, saying this guy is trying to do what he doesn't have the authority to do. And now he's doing the same thing. It reminds me of Tim Scott. Uh, Tim Scott is the U.S. Senator from South Carolina who's trying to pass different policies to address the different race, racial tensions in our nation. And Democrats are opposing him, even though he's a black African-American person who is pushing policies that they agree with because they say it's not enough. And finally, he called him out. He said, wait a second. It doesn't have to do with the policy. It has to do with the person. It's not about whether you like this policy. It's actually who's pushing it. If one of you was pushing it, you'd be all for it. But since I'm pushing it, you're against it. And that's the very same thing that we're seeing out of most of our Republican legislators and our governor. Our governor is literally saying, I don't like executive overreach when I'm the attorney general and I can sue the president and it can be really popular with the Republican base. But when I'm the governor, I can use as much executive overreach as I want as long as I think it's best. And then Republican legislators, except for the handful that have just continued to publicly be vocal in how they feel about this issue, the rest of the officials are saying, eh, you know what? When Barack Obama was doing it, I would post on Facebook and tweet and put press releases out and cut videos and talk to all my constituents about how bad this is and how much we need to push back. And if Greg Abbott was a Democrat governor right now, they would be holding press conferences and calling for special sessions, but they're not because they're scared and they're fearful. And why? Because it's not about the policy. It's not about the overreach. It's about who is doing it. That's the problem. For them, that's the problem of why they can't really say they don't like it. They can privately talk about it. They can pass on that feedback to one another. They can even tell some of their constituents, don't worry, I'm working hard for you, but I can't say it. Why? Well, because he's the governor and he's in my party. That'd be bad. Similar to Tim Scott. Tim Scott realized it doesn't have to do with what the policy is. It has to do with who's pushing it. I'm a black Republican U.S. senator. And a lot of constituents are realizing, oh, it doesn't matter if executive overreach is happening. It matters who's doing it. And if it's a Democrat, I can count on my Republican legislators to stand up and speak out as much as possible. And if it's a Republican, they will largely stay silent. 
If you want to know what to do, you need to reach out to your state representative and your state senator this week and say, what the heck are you doing? What did I elect you to do? It's your job to govern. If governing's going on without you being there, you should be publicly calling out the executive and asking for a special session immediately. And if a special session isn't called, then tell him to stop passing laws. It's inappropriate. It's not what he's there to do. That's not leadership. It's dictatorial, unilateral, executive overreach. Thanks for listening, guys. Thank you for listening to The Luke Messias Show. If you value this content and want our message to spread, please consider three of the following steps. One, subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to us on and leave us a review. Two, visit lukemessias.com and sign up for our email alerts. And three, follow Raz and I on Twitter and visit my Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Luke Macias, Texas. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Luke Macias, Texas. Thank you so much and God bless.